Hello everyone, Laura Smith here from SLP Mommy of Apraxia, here to talk to you today about those beginning of school nerves that parents get who have children with a speech disorder such as apraxia. The discussion boards are filled with parents' nerves and trepidation, wondering what they should do, can they do anything, and so on and so forth to make sure that their child who struggles to speak um, has a teacher that understands them and has people who understand them and understands the speech disorder and how it manifests um, or even just understanding them in general knowing what the child is saying uh, it is a very nerve-wracking time for parents And it made me think back to when my now nine-year-old daughter was starting kindergarten. For those of you that don't know, my daughter has a mutation called BCL11A, and it caused apraxia, a severe language disorder, and severe learning difficulties. And so I can think back, and she had had three years of preschool at that time, and things were still a struggle. Her language disorder made it so that she basically only spoke in scripts that she had been taught in therapy. And she was not, I mean, she was social, but definitely her language was not anywhere close to the level of kindergarten girls I had seen. And she was still struggling to write and form letters and learn her letters and She struggled when put on the spot, being asked questions. And so I, you know, I really was a nervous wreck. Luckily for me, I worked in the school that she was going to. And so I was able to talk to the teacher and the team. The special education team was already aware of her and what was going on with her. So in that sense, it was good but I did do my fair share of educating. I remember one thing that I had to do was to tell the teachers that Ashen had severe word finding, word retrieval issues. And so if she were to be tested expressively with a task, so let's say, you know, what color is this? And you point to a series of colors, Ashen would frequently misname those colors, even though if I had her point and said point to purple, so that would be changing it from an expressive to a receptive task, she would point to it and could get it right. So I definitely made sure to advocate to the teacher and tell her that, you know, if you do test Ashen, if it's at all possible, to find a way to do that receptively to test her knowledge, that would be great. And in fact, that kindergarten teacher did. And she did it both ways to see the comparison. And it just was so awesome. And I think it helped that I had gone in ahead of time and explained that that was Ashlyn. So I was thinking back as I'm, you know, reading discussion boards about parents nervous and, um, worried. And it made me think back to when Ashton was beginning kindergarten and I was having this conversation with a colleague who had older children. And she asked me if I was sad that Ashton was entering kindergarten because after all, it was the end essentially of her preschool toddlerish years. It was the beginning of her elementary school career. And in a way, you know, they're gone from you more now and they're really starting like real big school. And she remembers being filled with sadness when her first child went to kindergarten and I remember looking at her and thinking sad no scared yes 
Worried? Absolutely. Terrified? Yeah, probably. But sad? No. Honestly, sad was not a feeling I had with my daughter entering kindergarten. As I, you know, as kindergarten was getting closer, I had flashbacks to this little girl who couldn't talk, this little girl who laughed and giggled when things were hard, the little girl who didn't seem aware of how different she was, and this little girl seemed so much more aware now, and I was so worried that she would know how difficult now her struggles were and how different she was from the other kids in the classroom and you know what would she do when she couldn't answer a question even though it was in her head and how would people treat her and oh my gosh how would she do in school just all of those things but sad was never one of them it was always worry fear trepidation nervousness and so I decided to do this podcast on empowering yourself and, you know, empowering yourself on what to do when your child goes back to school or starts school. And I really find that, you know, it's very helpful and it absolutely is within a parent's right to request a quick one-on-one meeting with the teacher or with the special education team and just educate them because even if a professional has heard about apraxia, I tell my clients one kid with apraxia is one kid with apraxia they have you know different comorbidities they have different nuances they have different skills different weaknesses different strengths and you as the parent know your child better than anyone and I think it's really good that parents advocate and go in and I think for the most part teachers are willing to listen to parents because Teachers become teachers because they want to help children learn. And so anything that you can give them that enables them to help a child to learn, I find most teachers are receptive to. So I just wanted everyone to be aware, if you're a professional listening to this podcast, you um, can encourage your clients or your students, parents to um, do some of these suggestions that I'm giving parents because I do think it would help to ease some anxiety and help parents feel more comfortable sending their baby who struggles with communication to school. So, you know, at the start of the school year. So my first suggestion is if you don't know, on the Apraxia Kids website, so that's um, apraxiakids.org, you can find it looking that way. Um, You can use their search function and there are informational, like you can request brochures, informational downloads, um, informational pamphlets, and you can request those and take those into your child's school. And so that's really uh, a great, a great source, a great tool to have and to know that it's there. And I believe that if you request up to five, like the first five are free. So certainly the downloads are free. There is also another one, another tool on that same search function, which is a letter to the teacher. And you can tailor a letter um, to fit your child's needs, but there's an exemplar on there and a sample letter. And it, you know, talks about apraxia, but it also leaves space for uh, the parent to type in specifically, you know, things about their child that are unique to their child. And so I think that's another good way to 
have the teachers, you know, get to know your child and get to know, um, uh, what, what your concerns are and, and maybe some things that you want to be able to say, to tell them and for them to know. So know that that tool is out there, you guys. Uh, and I, I, you know, and those brochures are out there. Another thing I will say is if your child, if a child with apraxia is still in the stages where they might not be understood frequently or, you know, they have a lot of word approximations, substitutions, um, it's not unheard of for you to maybe write out some of those approximations and substitutions and give them to the teacher and say, uh, when he says this, he really means this. I mean, a good example would be I have a client who, um, when she says no, she says mo. <laughs> um, and so that is quite the opposite uh, reaction if you're telling a teacher in your mind, you're telling the teacher no, but it's coming out as mo, and the teacher is like, oh, you want more? But you're telling the teacher no. It creates a situation of high, high, high frustration. And so something like that would be really important, and I think a teacher would really appreciate knowing. So that is another suggestion. I know that some parents, if their child is signing, um, a lot of times children make up their own unique signs for things. And, you know, I don't think it is a bother for you as a parent to go in and show the teacher or have a pamphlet or something you've typed up of signs and what they mean. So really, my my thing is just always about advocating. And, you know, you can really ease your worries and anxiety if you advocate for your child because you take it off of being kind of feeling powerless to having some power and feel feeling empowered to educate the staff on your child. So the other thing I'll say too is for children who are still nonverbal or, you know, preverbal or aren't readily understood, it is also not unheard of to ask for some sort of back and forth communication um, between the school and the parent. So I've seen that done a lot of different ways and a lot of unique and different ways, tailoring that to your child, tailoring it uh, to in a way that's most convenient between the school staff and the family. So know that that's also something you can request. And if they don't want to do that, um, you can absolutely add it as an accommodation in the IEP. So uh, just know that, you know, that's something that's well within your right to do as well. So good luck to all you mamas um, with your children going off to school. I can tell you Ashlyn is in fourth grade now. And I can say that though there is a small part of me that is worried, I know the school staff and her school staff had been has been amazing. Last year was an amazing year for her. She has friends. She has people who know her. She is accepted. She's in an inclusion environment. And she thrived last year. And so I... I remember, too, at the start of last year being so worried. I was so worried, in fact, that I wrote a letter and an article and I turned it into the Mighty that then got picked up by the Huffington Post called, As the School Year Begins, Please Teach Your Children to Be Kind. And I outline 
how awesome the summers are because she's a carefree little girl who plays with the neighbors and explores on campgrounds and makes mud pies and collects dirt under her fingernails and she's happy and she has no anxiety and I was worried that going back to school, you know, she has had like in her second grade year, she did have, you know, bouts of picking her nails until they bled and she had to have change of clothes because there was so much blood on her shirts from all the anxiety that she had. And um, this girl who chatted, you know, carelessly with friends and family over the summer had not one friend at school. And so the struggle is real and everyone doesn't, everyone just wants their child to be happy and to have a friend and to be treated with kindness. And it is scary. And so, you know, for professionals too, sometimes parents can seem very um, overly concerned and you might not understand, but it is a very scary thing to send your child with differences out into the world knowing that they are vulnerable to bullying and they're just a child like everyone else. And, you know, that's the heart on, that's the heart walking outside of your body, I like to say too, as a parent. So again, um, this year, I am not filled with that much anxiety. She'll have some a lot of the same friends that she had last year. Her special education staff is amazing, and I can't say that with that advocacy, I think, you know, it's like we took the power back, you know? So you, like I said, you go from feeling powerless to empowered to do something. So anyway, I enjoyed talking about this topic with you all. I left the link to the informational downloads um, and brochures that you can get on my Facebook page, SLP Mommy of Apraxia. So go there if you can't find it. And thank you for listening.